They want your full name, your address, your home, your cell phone number, your occupation, your age, a scanned copy of your identity card for identification. Oh, this is Facebook. This is from Robert S. Mueller, director of the FBI. Okay? Please. Wednesday, March 6, 2013. This is episode number 45 of Yats. It's yet another tech show. Once a week, every Wednesday night, yet another tech show.com. Check it out. My name's Matt Lee. Join me this evening. We got Ant Pruitt. What's up, Ant? What's going on, Mr. Lee? We got Mr. Miller. What's up, Chris? You must be in the wrong hangout. We're looking for the greats of technology still. Hold on. <laughs> no, this is just, you know, yet another tech show. So we take what we can get here. We got Larry Press. What's up, Larry? Hey, man. Yet another great of technology. <laughs> yet another old silver beard of technology. An old guy. Gray beard. And speaking of also, we got his buddy, mine and yours, Mike Rothman. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. Just honored to be here with you greats of technology. <laughs> So as soon as they show up, we'll yeah. be sure to ask them all of our real pulse-pounding questions about tech this week. But until then, we're just going to talk some some BS about whatever. So there's a chat room, like I said, yet in a tech show.com slash live. That's where you can watch the Hangout live and leave us comments or what have you. Uh, you want to start things off talking about I keep hearing this story uh, over and over in the news about Marissa Meyer over at Yahoo!, uh, a lot of these tech companies, and uh, a lot of them don't even have like a central headquarters, so that if you wanted to tell your employees that you have to be in your office at 9 a.m. Monday morning, like they couldn't even do it. But Yahoo does, and she is. And there's been, you know, speculation, everything from, oh, she's. I don't want to be the one to say it, but you guys know, or she's having a rough time and she lost her temper to this is what needs to happen because according to some stats from what was it, their their VM, people were yep. logging, not logging the time that they were getting paid for, for doing work or working on their own projects while they're getting paid by Yahoo. So if that was really the case, I could definitely see her saying, hey, everyone's got to come in to the office. No more working at home. Uh, Aunt, you actually go into the office. Well, what do you think about her doing this? Is this a step backwards or is this what needs to happen for Yahoo to, to move forward? Well, I see both sides of it. Um, with Yahoo being the mess that it was in, and bringing her on to, on to the to the team and whatnot, they need some type of, of leadership that, that pulls everyone in and says, hey, we need to batten down the hatches and get our crap in gear kind of thing. And not even that, but they need to do just something different because obviously yeah. what they're doing it hasn't been working so hot. Right. And if you, you know, look at what the reasons are, that makes sense, right? If half of your force is out here, you know, not doing what they're supposed to be doing, of course your company's going right, to go. Everything's going to start to tank eventually to catch up with you, you know. Yeah, exactly. But on the other hand, being in the being in an IT department where, you know, we have several different departments within the department, you know, you have your support folks, you have your infrastructure folks, you have your development team and whatnot developers they don't want to be in an office i mean those guys they, they if you if you ever see a developer i mean they they are focused i mean they're one group of focused individuals and they sit down and they write code they can care less about what's going on at the printer next to them they can care less about the queue behind them when usually that's for a reason right people yeah. in an office setting there's so many distractions going on and if you're doing some high level coding like you need to be 
ADD tunnel vision focusing on yeah. that. You can't have whatever Joe from accounting coming down to ask you about the game last night, you know? So right. some people do work better at home. It, it just depends what they're working on. Obviously, people doing tech support are going to be, you know, effing off while they're on the clock because they can get away with that, but not right. anymore. Yeah, but like I said, I, I understand her standpoint with Yahoo being in the, the sh- quote-unquote shape that it's in. Right. But I still think from an IT standpoint, she should have looked at her IT department heads. You know what I mean? Because they would have a better feel on what's going on with the developers, and in, in, for example. I mean, I don't know who else is on their teams and whatnot that's telecommuting, but those folks, you're not helping them by telling them to commute you know right and this story off of the times says there was about 200 or so people who had work at home arrangements uh and although they collected yahoo paychecks some did little work for the company and a few had even begun their own startups on the side what Larry? And that's another thing developers can be independent contractors like that you know they're, they're always able to pick up another deal with somebody that just needs a quick app developed for a, for something mobile right. or a mobile crm or something um, there's always people out there in the enterprise looking for six month contract developers and yep. they can just snag that up while they're working on other things. It's, I mean, two different environments and it's 24 hours in a day. Yeah. What were you going to say, Larry? Right. Yeah. I was just wondering a couple of things. One is what, uh, Anse makes me think it's kind of dumb to have one rule for the whole company. You, you should differentiate one job from another. Um, but what was the culture or what is, how does it work at Google? Maybe she's, uh, kind of trying to bring over the Google culture. Well, isn't that what, mm. what Larry and Sergey did? Didn't they kind of, they didn't make it mandatory, but they did rein in quite a bit to, to get things going, you know, when, I, when they I'm started sure killing off. And, it, and it, it's probably, I mean, I just, I have no, re- I've never even been there. But, you know, they have cafeterias and gyms and swimming I know it sounds better than my house. Like, I want to go to work. (laughs) I want to go go there. Yeah, I'm never Uh, going home. I'm actually moving in. The word word I've heard is that there there is at Google a strong work at the office culture. And, you know, Google's made this enormous investment in the Bay Area and building out a, a very elaborate office with all sorts of perks designed to keep employees happy on the job. So, you know, that, that. but on the other hand, Yahoo had a lot of that stuff. If you take the New York Times article reporting on its face, you'd have to say, well, Maya really didn't have any choice because there were people abusing the system. So she had to ring that in. Uh, uh, but it is a setback for for you know the ninety eight percent of the people who yeah. uh, are responsible telecommuters, yeah, Chris, there's you got... always one person screwing it up for somebody. Yeah. Always, always. You got any thoughts on this, Chris? Uh, yeah, it's Marissa Meyer saying in your face, literally meaning getting in my face. Come to the office is what she's saying. In my face now. <laughs> Get in my face. It's you know, come in and show me what you're doing, and I bet you you see some heads rolling, some trimming done after. Who doesn't come in? Who doesn't step up to do it? It's a job. You're paid. Uh, guess what? Come to the office. If that's what they're saying you got to do, that's what you got to do. That she wants to see a turnaround, and st- I bet you we see another trimming of one of their divisions. Right, and that's that was the other thing I kept hearing rumblings of on uh, other tech shows is that maybe this is an easy way to trim down some of the workforces. The people that are working from home got called in and are like, nah, I don't want to do that. You know, that's They don't got to worry about them then. Then quit. No unemployment. There you go. You know, but it also depends on the culture too. You know, right? I, I just thought about it. We have other development offices in our company, and our home office is here with me. So all of the the uh, officers are here, and the department heads are here, and we give the developers and even the QA folks the freedom to work from home from time to time, even though they do have an office they can go to in these other states and cities and whatnot. Um, But I don't think anyone abuses it. They know the days, okay, I should probably go into the office today to try to be with one of my coworkers to further discuss this project we're working on kind of thing. Or, no, I'm not going to go in today. I want to go through these thousands and thousands of line of code myself you know, without any other distractions. You know? Well, so, I answer, I mean, answer this question. Culture. 
how many of the home workers that you know actually get up, put on business casual clothes, and go to their home office and work? And how many sit around in their sweats all day till the kids get done and then take a shower and get ready to go? You know, that might be a good 70-30 sitting in their sweats. I was going to say 50-50. It, it might be a good 70-30. I mean, even when I used to work from home, if I didn't have to necessarily uh, go to the office, I just worked in my pajamas sometimes kinda, or just threw on sweatpants or what have you. Yeah, you know. I did the same thing. I worked tech support for an ISP here, and uh, I, I did the Saturday morning shift, so I would wake up, I would forward the number to my, my house, I would pull up the chat, and then I would just sit there and do whatever I was doing while I was waiting for phone calls to come in, you know? Dude. You're the Play. only customer of the ISP. No. no. <laughs> There's 30,000 of us here in the Valley. Come on, Chris. <laughs> Were you wearing your business casual clothes? No, I was lucky if I was wearing clothes. No, I, I was in pajamas. I'd roll out of bed, literally, and then, like, you know, forward the number, half asleep still, and then, you know. I, I cannot remember. unsee what he just mentioned. I cannot unsee that. I can remember one Such time. Such a beautiful sight, I, I know. Doing, um, when I was doing QA. Um, <laughs> I was working on a project because I would work in the middle of the night because I I felt like I got better focus working, you know, between that one and three in the morning kind of thing after the kids were gone to bed and whatnot and would send in my status updates and so forth. And there was one morning I decided to stay home and got online and started working on some stuff. And the project manager saw me on IM. So she hits the IM to video chat with me to go over the discussion and whatnot. And everything was going well. And then she says, are you in your robe? <laughs> no. And I, was, I said, well, yeah, I'm at home. And she just laughs. But, you know, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal. Why? Because I got my crap done when I needed to get my crap done. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day, at the end of yeah. your long ass work day, is that did your job <laughs> get done or not? And here yeah. uh, the example seems that it is not. And so this has to happen. Yeah, she should have shown up to work wearing around. your robe is what you should have done. <laughs> Boy, we got some folks that'll do that, but I'm not one of them. Not yet. Yet. But you put the idea in his mind, so now maybe. <laughs> so, all right. I don't know. I saw that, that was kind of interesting that everyone was making a big deal about it and no one's really focusing on exactly why. Good stuff. Uh, let's talk about a little security news, a little hackity, hackity, hack. Uh, Evernote, the next major company to get hit and actually tell people about it. I got the uh, email in, in my my messages the other day about resetting your passwords. Uh, apparently about 50 million passwords have been changed because of the breach. Uh, Evernote has, quote, discovered and blocked suspicious activity on the Evernote network that appears to have been a coordinated attempt to access secure areas of the Evernote service. Uh, as a precaution to protect your data, we have decided to implement a password reset. The hackers access usernames, email addresses, encrypted passwords, uh, so you got to update those, and when you get the update of the app, which you probably have already, uh, it won't authenticate you until you do the reset. So... Uh, again, this just kind of goes to show no matter who you are, no matter what your security measures are, you're going to get hit. When you do get hit, the important thing is, were your security measures implemented properly? Were your hashes salted? Were they salted properly? Are there rainbow tables for how they were salted so that they can easily be reverse engineered and cracked? And are you using the same passwords across multiple sites? Because if your password gets grabbed here and someone's like, ooh, on his Facebook page, he likes Wells Fargo or Glacier Bank or whatever bank you happen to be at. And so they go there and they're like, oh, look at that. What do you know? Same username, password. Now I have all your bank stuff. So mm -hmm. just, you know, be smart about it. Uh, I feel like we have to reiterate this every now and then because people are lazy, especially when it comes to passwords, especially if they've never been bit before. Once you get yeah. bit, mm -hmm. it's the sickest feeling because you're, it's your whole e-life is like right there. So what app? Let me ask you, you, you said you got this email about changing the password. Did you get this over the weekend? I got it. I want to say on Friday, Thursday, last week, Friday. Okay. See, I got the email. I heard about the news Friday, so I'm assuming it happened late Thursday. Okay. And 
I went in, uh, I want to say I went in Saturday or Sunday just to goof off on Evernote because I'm still trying to walk into the Evernote world. And of course, as soon as I went and logged in, it prompted me to change my password. But then earlier today, I got another email. Um, well, I got an email that says, hey, we need you to go in and change your password. Did you it- change your password to the same password? <laughs> I know. I got to ask. I'm sorry. I, that was a stupid question. Of course he did. Okay. Of course he did. And of course, that's why they sent him another message and change it to something else. Change it to something else. Jeez. Come on, man. Come on. No, it, um, it just it struck me with a little bit of surprise because the message, it looked like a legitimate message. I didn't click on any links or anything, but it looked just like their blog post where they talked about the whole security. So you're saying maybe this was a phishing attempt. This was a targeted phishing attempt at people who had their passwords. So when you click that link, there goes your malware. Just like that. Yeah. That's interesting. Let me, let me look and let well, me just it, take a it, look. It could be. I mean, I got the email as well. What what I do with an email like that is I I never click the link. Exactly. I go to the Evernote site. It, right. And attempt to log on. And when I did that, sure enough, if put me through a reset your password dialogue, which I did, and that was user. the end of that. And that's that's the way you should always do it. If you ever, ever get an email that says, click here to update your information, like always go to the site. And I, I know that sounds like why, no kidding, but people don't know that. Like you gotta- No, they don't. You need don't. to actually go to the site because you can, you can malform URLs in emails, I mean, so many different ways. There, there's so, so many ways to conceal. So far this looks legit. I'm not gonna dig any further on it, but so far it looks legit. Well, you want to let's talk about some interesting spam spear phishing. I got one the other day in the subject line. It's from the United States Department of Justice in the uh, person who sent it. His name's Robert S. Mueller. This looks completely legit. If you open it, it says Federal Bureau of Investigation, Anti-Terrorist and Monetary Crime Division. J. Edgar Hoover Building, Washington, D.C. gives you their customer service hours and it says attention. Records show that you are among one of the individuals and organizations who are yet to receive their overdue payment from overseas, which includes those of lottery gambling, contract, and inheritance. Through our fraud monetary unit, we've also noticed that over the past, you have been transacting with some imposters and fraudsters who have been impersonating the acts or who had been impersonating the likes of Professor Saludo of the Central Bank of Nigeria, Mr. Patrick Aziza, Frank Anderson, none officials of Oceanic Bank, (laughs) just a bunch of names. And then it says, the cybercrime division of the FBI gathered information from the Internet Crime Complaint Center, the ICCC, formerly known as the Internet Fraud Complaint Center, the IFCC, of how some people have lost outrageous sums of money to these imposters. So we're going to advise you to stop communication with anyone not referred to you by us. We have negotiated with the Federal Ministry of Finance that your payment totaling $6.1 million be released to you via custom PIN based ATM card with a maximum withdrawal limit of $5,000 a day, which is powered. Hallelujah, your lucky day. Right? I was like, jackpot. (laughs) We have advised that this should be the only way at which you are to receive your payment because it is more guaranteed since over $5 billion was last on fake check year two, 2008. (laughs) So if you want, you can redeem your fund uh, by contacting the ATM card center via email for their requirement to proceed and procure your approval of payment warrant and endorsement of your ATM release order on your behalf, which will only cost you $265. (laughs) <laughs> Only nothing more and no hidden fees as everything else has been taken care of by the federal government, including taxes, custom paper, and clearance of duty. So all you ever need to pay is $265 only. You know, but I can get five G's a day. I might could swing that. I know, right? They want your full name, <laughs> your address, your home, your cell phone number, your occupation, your age, a scanned copy of your identity card for identification. 
Oh, this is Facebook. This is from Robert S. Mueller, <laughs> director of the FBI. Okay? So now you tell me your grandparents, somebody doesn't know better, gets an email like that. What are they going to do? It's Robert Mueller. It's the FBI, man. Come on. <laughs> so I just thought I'd share that with you guys. I love digging through the spam I mean, folder here. We shouldn't laugh at this. but it's, We it's, should. It's so we serious. absolutely should. Um, we should. Hey, Matt. Please send me a copy of that. I, I just last week started a collection of those things. Did you really? That's a great <laughs> That's idea. That's probably the most elaborate one I've ever heard of. Isn't it? And I mean, I read the typos, like cared and care should, I mean, stuff like that, silly things. But yeah, it's wow. it's amusing, but people get took for that stuff all the time. And so yeah. to finish up the Evernote thing, the problem with this is not that- Take it. Take it. You mean it's a scam? <laughs> it's like crap I just sent him my credit card Mike's checking his email see if he got really? one yeah. <laughs> I don't really want it for my collection I want to credit it I want my 5,000 million dollars no but seriously I got I, I started a collection last week I got three or four in this, but nice this I got a few good ones I'll send you I save up here Cool. But um, so it's not like, oh, no, people are going to get my shopping list or whatever. Like, what are you really using Evernote for? The important data there is the usernames and passwords because these people know that more times than not, people use the same credentials across sites. So that's that's the big deal. Not the fact that, oh, my Evernote's got hacked. Like, oh, no. So, how cares? many of you guys use something like 1Password? No, I don't use any of that. You don't I thought about using one of those services, but I don't. I use an encrypted text file for, like, things that I don't use every day, and then I just force myself to memorize my crazy password for stuff a, I do use every day. I'm a LastPass kind of guy. But see, I have yeah. different password levels. For my disposable stuff, I use stupid disposable passwords. For my important things, my keys to my kingdom, I use really complex. So I'm really only memorizing three or four really complex passwords, and then the rest are just the same couple that I don't really care if anyone gets a hold of because it's nothing important. Well, that's why I asked about, like he, like he, Mike said, is LastPass, right, where you're memorizing a, a phrase or one really hard password, and that one that sits on every phone, every tablet, every computer, and it creates these very complex passwords. I have a hard time people. trusting something like that, just the fact that there's one point of entry, one vector for fail that just doesn't seem very smart to me i don't know i get you can always recover if you set up right you can always no but i'm saying if someone was someone pops that or what if someone gets into LastPass, that's a pretty salivating target wouldn't you say it's only a matter of time that's the argument that i hear from most you know non-tech folks is what if somebody gets my phone and figure out how to get in the last pass. If someone gets your phone that's over end game anyway so i mean you have you don't think so chris I don't link anything to my phone. You don't use two-step authentication for Google? I, or? I don't open crap on my phone. Oh. Well, I, I, I don't let my phone out of my sight <laughs> because of that reason, you know? I segregate. I Watch. Hold on. See? There it is. Android and no passcode. There's nothing there. No, if I don't you, do that, like passwords on your phone. But no, I'm saying... No, I mean, there's no apps associated, so oh, it's okay. useless to get into it, so... Who cares? There's no Twitter associated. There's nothing on there but a phone. Your Gmail's Jeez, Chris, not associated. No fun. Your Gmail's Damn, not man. associated with your Android device that has all of your contacts in it. I don't. I don't keep my contacts synced to my Android device. Oh. Some BlackBerry. Well, you oh. must have a very complicated life. No, it's all on here, it's which is then encrypted, secured through the bez. Yeah, I keep it on here. I don't like this crap. I like this. <clears throat> Really? I feel I feel better about this because I don't have to use a crappy phone like you do, <laughs> but then I also am but safe. Wait, you use it as a phone? Yeah, I can actually make phone calls on this thing. Oh, see, I don't do that either. I don't talk to people. Here, I'll That's call what? you right now. Watch. <laughs> I don't talk to people. It's like you can't call me. I don't have a phone number. <laughs> Who do you talk to? Right. That's funny. Why do you want to talk to anybody? That's a mistake I, of having a phone. That's old day. I talk to a camera at Spike Studios. I don't talk to people. <laughs> right? I talk to robots. Thanks. So to wrap this uh, security thing up, who do you guys think is going to be next? We've had Facebook, Apple, Twitter. I mean, everybody gets hacked all the time. Who's going to be next? Microsoft came out and said they got hit. Who, who's next? Well, who, I don't want to break it to left? Mike, but last, last pass was already hacked. Oh, well, there you go. So yeah, who's I, left? I, I... I'm aware of that they actually responded quite well to that, though. I, it, it wasn't really a concern. <laughs> they, they responded well. Here's all our passwords. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't know. I mean, what what is LulzSec and Anonymous saying? They they're usually quite public with where they're going to go. Are they are they in wraps with anybody right now? I feel like they're more caught up in the whole hacktivist thing. They're not hitting things like Evernote or Twitter because they're using those tools. They're hitting things like the DOD, DOD. or PayPal or you know something like that. Uh, but who knows? I mean, PayPal. Maybe they're next. They've been. I don't. I, I feel like companies that have already been hit, though, are harder targets because it's fresh in their mind. It's like the safest person on your staff is the guy who just got socially engineered through a pen test because now he's on his toes about everything. He's not trusting anybody. Amazon, possibly. Google? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, China's hacking Google all the time. Like, what's the... I got to ask you a question. When you saw that email come through, did you shut down all of your BitTorrents? Me? Quick. The yeah. Evernote email? No, 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 no. The one from the uh, FBI. From No, because it was in the spam. I mean, it, oh, okay. I found that in my spam folder, and I was like, whoa, this is a crazy one. <laughs> All I could see is you was like, shut down. Like shut pulling down, plugs, pulling hitting drives. magnets on everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, honey, what are you doing? No time. Must demagnetize. Nothing. Get the magnets. <laughs> Why are you starting a fire? <laughs> it's all good. Arg. <laughs> all right, uh, let's move on. Talk about something a little brighter. Uh, the Chromebook Pixel's been getting some mixed reviews from people here and there. I know Danny Sullivan got a review unit. He seems to enjoy it. Uh, Linus Torvalds, he's given it the thumbs up. What do you guys? How do you guys? Uh, Chromebook was supposed to be like a cheap cloud base i mean this is like a 1300 dollar chromebook which i mean i get the display is gorgeous and everything but are web pages really that beautiful like are you looking at i mean i look at websites on my nexus 10 and they look like crap you know like people aren't really (laughs) designing for these high-res screens so if you have a device that is just web-based i mean maybe planning for the future maybe setting a standard of what they could be What, what do you think and I think people are losing their minds spending money on this, on that kind of money on this thing for a cloud-based OS. If you're going to spend that kind of money on it, I, I'm pretty sure Linus Torvalds is just slapping his own OS on there and taking Chrome, taking um, what do you call it, the Google OS, taking it off of there. Yeah, Chrome. and I mean it is nice hardware, right? It's got the a, a core five, a core i five, thirty two gigs of storage, twenty five sixty by seventeen hundred uh, res, which is an odd ratio, isn't it? Isn't it like some weird? Yeah, it's a four three instead of sixteen nine, which is kind of odd. I mean, yeah, and and their theory behind that is because most websites are in that that ratio. That's true. You know, if they're not ratio. doing the. What's that called? The fluid widescreen. Well, know. if they're not auto resizing, because I always notice right. that when I look at things on my on my twelve eighty screen, they look there's a lot of blank dead space on each side if they're not reactive to the screen size. But when I look yeah. at them on my square VIO monitor here, they look perfect. Yep, and so. they they can have all of that. Like I said, the hardware of it, it's fine, and everything that I've heard and read about it is people love it, but they're just hacking it and throwing another OS on it. Sure. Which maybe, I mean, is this, and they're not really selling it as like, like the Nexus Q was like, hack on this, develop on it, do whatever. They're not really yeah. billing this as like, put your own OS on. I put Android on it and call it a day, but they. The only thing that I can think of with this is Google needed to have something for their in-house developers. You know, I, I'm pretty sure Sergey isn't happy walking through his campus. See it all the MacBooks, MacBook Pro, <laughs> right? Right. Know? Even if they're running Ubuntu, you're still yeah, on a MacBook right. hardware. Right. Like, come on, guys, run Ubuntu, run Ubuntu on this yeah. hardware. <laughs> right. What do yeah. you think, Chris Miller? Is this exciting at all? Pixel? No. No. Larry Press? No, I'd rather have a laptop. Not really. I already have a laptop. All right, Mike. You know, I really like the device. Just as just as a device, I mean, give me one, and I I would love to play with it, and I'd probably get a lot of use out of it because I'm in the in the Chrome and Google environment quite a bit. But uh, not at thirteen hundred dollars, please. I kind of feel oh, that way too. Like I would love to have one if someone gave it to me, but I would. No, there's no way in hell I would pay thirteen hundred. I would save that thirteen hundred, 
rob you guys for 200 and buy Google Glass. I mean, for that cost, (laughs) like, look what you're getting for that cost. (laughs) It's not good enough to be, you know, maybe 80% of what you do is in the Google world. It's the time when the the crunch is when you want to do something that's not in the Google world and you're screwed. You have to have another machine to do Photoshop. Yeah, I don't think think a Chrome-based machine is ever going to be my... 100% 100% solution, and I'm kind of a, a big desktop kind of guy anyway. I really like my desktop, and I spend a lot of time with it running stuff that wouldn't run well on a uh, on a low-powered Oh, wow, laptop. so you're a desktop guy too? I thought I was the only one left. No, it's it's the two of us, bro. Hey, I got oh, I got an AMD running XP that we record all these podcasts on, So I'm, and it's also oh, yeah. my torrent box, so I'm right there with you. Very cool. <laughs> But yeah, like you couldn't, I mean, you could, you could be part of a podcast and live on a Chromebook. You couldn't be the recorder. Like I couldn't run Cool Edit Pro on this, on a Chromebook. You couldn't, but do you guys think that they've heard that so much that like, oh, you can't do Photoshop, you can't do video. Do you think that stuff's coming? The, I mean, we already have somewhat close cloud-based offerings that replicate those functionality, but it's not there. It's not. Photoshop. It's Why not would they Vegas put a Core video. Seven in one of these. Exactly. I mean, possibilities, right? Could you imagine doing? I mean, YouTube's getting there for web-based video editing, but it's not Vegas video. It's not uh, uh, After Effects or whatever Premiere. You know, YouTube. it's it's not there yet. But it's only a matter of time. Maybe they're building for the future, like they like to do. So, all right, I'm nobody cares. Like the future, I'll get one. Nobody compares about the Pixel. What about <laughs> Google and their uh, maybe a music subscription service? We kind of mentioned this. I forget if it was on Attack of the Androids or this show, but uh, they already have, you know, Google Music, which is your music and what you buy from the store. What if they offer a streaming service like Spotify or Pandora or something? So they're getting more serious about this? It kind of looks like it. They say, uh, off of all things D here, uh, Peter Kafka, right? He says that uh, at, at a minimum, YouTube is trying to collect the rights to sell music in both audio and video form via subscriptions, but it hasn't told music owners what it actually wants to do with those rights, and it hasn't shown outsiders a prototype of what it's working on. Uh, right now, Billboard reports Warner Music Group has signed on to both ideas. So, I, I mean, maybe... That would be cool. Like we you said, know, uh, Google, uh, pardon me, YouTube has some really neat music and music video discovery capabilities. Uh, we actually talked about that on this show a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I find confusing is that Google is pursuing both music on YouTube and then they have. Google Music, which is an entirely different service and different branding and so on. Don't you feel like, though, those are two completely different demographics? Well, I, you know, that's it could be a good point. Maybe they are different different demographics. But There's a generation really out there that gets all their music from YouTube, and they're not even, like, really watching the videos. They're just playing the music. I know whenever a friend of mine's like, have you heard this song? Just a quick before I don't want to buy it or have it on my device, but if I want to hear it, YouTube's my go-to place because nine times out of ten, it'll be on there. Well, and maybe that's the use case for it, although I don't – I guess then I don't see the need for Google Music. To upload well, you, your own, right? So you can, if you don't want a subscription service because you have spent years collecting your own collection, I don't ever stream music because I have my own I like to listen to. I don't use Pandora or Spotify or anything like that. So I maybe, guess what I'm not seeing, though, is, is why they don't merge them into one ah. more compelling more integrated sort of set of services. Right. And maybe they see that those are two different demographics as well. The people that are using Google Music aren't going to be interested in streaming because they use Google Music. But who who knows? It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe this is a convergence that's coming, you know, after a year of the Google Play brand and when they changed all of that from the, what was it? The thing, I can't even remember what it used to be called. Market? Android Market? Oh, what was it called? Yeah, the Android market. It was, yeah. I think. You know, and then they rebranded it and made it a lot more multimedia versus just being strictly apps. You know, you got music, you got TV, you got books, magazines, the whole nine. And maybe this is another 
convergence come in between them and their other property, YouTube. All part of the big master plan. And that's and that's fine if they can figure out how to make it all work because I, I enjoy my Google Play um, music streaming when I'm when I'm wanting to listen to my music over the air when I'm not necessarily home or what have you. But if they can figure out another algorithm that uses your ratings just like Spotify does and Pandora does and even YouTube to an extent how it uses your ratings, if they can figure out something that will continue to tailor everything to what I want to listen to, yeah, I'd drop, I'd drop money for them and, and cut off Spotify. Well, and what if they take it to the next step and use your Google Plus and the things you're posting about that, you know, gathering enough information to make an educated guess on the kind of music you're going to like based on what you're posting about? I mean, if, yeah, they're the people to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with that. They say also that um, because the, they have like a, an Android team and a YouTube team both like trying to do me, it would be nice to have one unified team yeah, dealing unified. with Put with them that. together. Put all of the, the, the strong developers together and let them work on making one great product instead of, you know, two decent products. Put something out there where uh, the wonderful world of Android isn't beta testing it on the first release. <laughs> we love beta <laughs> yeah. testing for them. You know, I think you make a good point, Ant. I think, I think Microsoft has had like a whole decade of going down rabbit holes of new product launches that weren't quite coordinated properly uh, or products that got pulled back from release or... Um, uh, duplicative products Mm. uh, that, uh, you know, delivered similar functionality with different branding and different name. I've seen from Microsoft like a decade of that stuff. And I I recoil now when I see Google or others doing it for that matter. It may be their organization has got thoughts. You know what this is reminding me of is, is, uh, Blogger and, and Google Plus. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. remember you were pissed about that, Larry. I still am, man. <laughs> I still haven't figured that out. Seriously. You know? Well, you have um, one, you have the blogger interface that's, the blogger interface is all visual and you can, you know, it's like WordPress visual, but then you go to Google Plus and you have to use underscores and asterisks to do your italics and your no, bold. If you don't do it visually. I mean, I do it usually in HTML, but you can just do so much more. You know, yeah. you can put pictures where you want them. And you have links and pictures. Wow, I wonder if that's a security thing, though. You start letting people pipe in HTML to your, I mean, you know, who? How, it's they, only they, a matter of time. Do HTML. Make it a, a WYSIWYG, but I mean. Yeah, WYSIWYG. yeah I mean, you can sanitize the, in- the capabilities. Yeah. You know? Maybe I they mean, have another plan. I mean, who knows? Or maybe it's what you guys are saying there, ossifying a little bit like Microsoft, and there's the blogger division and the Google Plus division, and they're fighting each other internally. I don't. Who still uses Blogger though? Is it? I mean, isn't it either WordPress well, Larry, or Larry does? Well, yeah, but Larry's never going to change. <laughs> okay, true. Now, now, no instead of Blogger. I can tell you exactly why I use Blogger because Google owns them, and they're not going to go out of business. Ah, good point. But wait, wait, wait. What about FeedBurner? Well, you're right. Didn't Google own that? And what happened to it? It's still there. Is it? How how well does it work? Awesome. I don't have any problems out of it all, and I have about 30 feeds through it. Okay. They haven't died out yet? I thought they were dying. What was the deal they dropped? Um, well, no, they keep talking about dropping it, but they're not. They haven't dropped it yet. because they, they haven't people... found a good way to migrate everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Chris Miller over here with his 30 freaking feeds on, it's going to raise hell. <laughs> they don't want that. God forbid. Right. Right, and I mean, you can move people to something like FeedBlitz, but they like email-based stuff, and they pay charge. It's I don't get why people use that in the first place. Like that never seemed appealing to me to rely on this third party for people to subscribe to my feed when my WordPress generates a perfectly fine RSS feed. I, because I, manipulation, inserting, splicing, uh, the ability that you have to do with your feeds that FeedBurner offers that you can't do right out of WordPress. Like the what? slicing stuff you can do is amazing. What does that matter? When would you ever use that? Like, give me a give me a scenario. 
um, I have a show podcast like this and I want to splice in a feed of pictures that relate directly to the show, it'll do that. It'll grab that feed and splice it into your RSS feed on the fly. Why would you want that in your RSS feed? I, I don't know. I don't understand. Are people watching well, their screens while they're driving listening to podcasts? Like, I don't get... I'm saying in terms of well, there's, the feed in general. Go ahead, Ant. Uh, there's still people that looks at looks at RSS feeds from a desktop computer. No, yeah. that's how I do it. I use Feedly. I live in Feedly. I love those guys. Thumbs up to Feedly. Hmm. <laughs> not a sponsor, but no, they're not. Now no, I'm stuck is. in my old ways, I guess. <laughs> Feedly's on the iPad. They're they're in the Chrome browser. They're on the iPad. They hook into your Google Reader, or you can do your own. It's a magazine interface, but it uses your feeds. It manages. There's things like that that people use to consume so much data. And with a simple swipe on my screens, I can navigate through you know 100 feeds in a day, easy. Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm still looking at the Roku 3. I've been ignoring everybody for five minutes as I look at the new Roku. <laughs> what's the, what's with the new Roku? What's Roku again? The new 3 comes out next week. Holy. Well, why don't you tell us about it, Chris Miller? Well, my gosh, the, the two major improvements are the UI, which will get rid of that long, scrolling, sucky interface and move into a tiled interface, which is nice and easy to navigate, uh, more processor power, and the kicker, they will now have remote headphones, so you can silence and mute the TV and stream it right to the headphones uh, and not disrupt the rest of the room, which will totally change that. Uh, they, they're going to add some more capabilities, but the tiled interface and the remote headphones are the two biggest things, plus the bigger processor. I was going to ask, what kind of chip's in it? Uh, I don't know if the chip type was in this what I was reading before, but I can tell you this, it's still 100 bucks and under, which beats everything. Wow, that's good. Is it, is it way faster than the other one? Than the yeah. Current? I've got two or three of the current ones. I've got the 2XS, uh, was their top of the line. The Roku 3 will come in and replace it. They'll have cheaper models up to the top model, and I don't know if they list the type of processor yet. Uh, and it has uh, more robust Wi-Fi besides the faster processor. So I love the Roku, and I was, I'm sorry, I've been reading about that for the past five minutes. I apologize. So rude. I want one. You know, um, let me help you out by clicking the button that says Serious Performance and see if it tells you. Uh, it lose, uses less power than a nightlight, so we know that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Memory and, and chip. Memory and chip. I don't see the uh, – I'll look while we're talking, but I don't see it uh, listed yet. With the uh, process, you've been, you've, have you physically got one there? I mean, does it seem way faster? The three, I don't have the three in hand yet oh, because I'm waiting you. on I'm waiting on my review. But uh, the plug-in jack that goes into the uh, remote control for the headphones is going to be an interesting way to change. Imagine, and I think Walt Mossberg brought it, brought it up. Imagine dorms and schools and stuff that have these. No more noise, no more interference, no more TV. You'll be able to watch your shows in peace, stream your content. And carry it wherever you go. That's a huge bonus over other streamers. You That's go to a hotel, slick. right? If you get an internet at a hotel, you can plug that in and stream your content right there. That's pretty slick. I'm sorry, I digress. It doesn't matter to a guy that lives in Chateau Ghetto by himself, but I could see where some people would enjoy that. <laughs> we'll go with that. Cord cutting. <laughs> Cord cutting. But the new tiled interface will make it seem a lot. A lot nicer to navigate and play around with than it was before. I'll give them that. Does it show you what the remote looks like? Because I've yeah. heard a lot of yeah, the remote's fussing the about the, the other remote. If you go to the main screen of Roku.com and then click right there, the whole front banner is the new Roku 3, and click behind the scenes, you'll see it. Because everybody says, you know, nobody's really topping the Ooh. Apple TV remote. Now, here's a kicker I didn't know. Previously, they had their app that was uh, on your devices, including Android, was kind of sucky. Now they've updated their app as well with uh, direct channel hooks and things like that. So they're that's also a bonus. They gave it the jelly bean flash. Yep. Nice. <laughs> so I love the Roku and uh, you know a couple of them around here, just like uh, everybody else, like Larry was saying. I so. wish I wish more developers would do that because I mean the difference between even like a Stitcher, for example. Stitcher is an awesome app. You can find our shows on there for streaming uh, podcasts and media and content, whatever. Uh, before it was just like slow and not very good, but then once they upgraded it to actually be native Jelly Bean code, like it runs. They they run so much better. It's like night and day difference. I wish more developers would do that like my sixth sense those guys and i mean there's there's a handful of apps i have there just like they look like gingerbread still and it's like come on guys right. let's have an update 
I know uh, Google Music also had a, had an update that just came out that they redid some uh, some album art stuff and made things a little smoother. Haven't downloaded yeah. it yet. It's sitting there waiting for it. It I took forever it. for mine to go through. And the new Google Plus is looking kind of nice. Did you guys notice that? Bigger uh, bigger images for your pages and whatnot. Looks kind of slick. I have noticed. Looks very slick. It's kind of like doing the... the uh, I always like the design of Google Plus. Yeah. It's, it's visually appealing in ways that Facebook is visually sort of repellent. Even though it's it's trying to do the same thing, right? With the cover page, I mean, it's the same idea. Google's implemented it cleaner, I think, because they learn yeah. from Facebook's mistakes. Yeah. I have the uh, I got the update today, but I got the Pruitt update. I just get ant space in really big color all day now in my stream. That's beautiful. Awesome. So uh, the Google Music update also adds instant mixes that will now continue playing past twenty five songs. I always thought that was a glitch. Like, I had too many songs in my instant playlist, and it would just die. I was like, yeah. what the hell? So they fixed that. Uh, you can now yeah. sh- shuffle an album artist or playlist. Uh, new default album art, previous button added to the widget, pinning progress now shown on album and playlist pages, and a fix for the Galaxy S3 freezing issue. So good on you. That instant mix thing, that is a really neat feature because it, it lets me come across songs I haven't listened to in a while that's in my collection. You know what I mean? You know, if I'm sitting here listening to some smooth tones of... And I also like that when when crappy music comes up, I can just blame it on Google. Like, Google, what are... (laughs) Come on. Come on, Google. What are you thinking? I do like the first comment here on the Google Play Music in the store. It says, Android is all about UI. Please? Android is meant to be beautiful. This is anything but. Could you consider doing a much better job on the UI? <laughs> like, thanks. Thanks. Hey, Google, your UI for uh, play music, not so hot. Could you maybe do a better job on that? Signed. <laughs> Sincerely yours. Since you're on the Android tip, did you see the story today about the ASOP browsers on Android? Uh, no, I did not. No. Yes. Uh, if you're using the AOS- AOSP browser, you may want to stop immediately. Uh, that's on Roots Wiki. They highlighted how easy it is now. It doesn't happen in Chrome, but only in the built-in browser, a major security hole. It stores all your passwords, apparently in plain text, of sites that you visit and use uh, using the stock Android browser. So you may want to make a switch to something like Chrome because otherwise you share your password with the world. Well, and if you're on on Jelly Bean, did it start with ICS, that Chrome replace browser, or was it Jelly Bean? I think Jelly Bean. Jelly Bean. Okay, so if you're on Jelly Bean, you're okay. But, and it's yeah. in, if, you, if you're curious about it, uh, what is it? Slash data, slash data, com.android.browser, slash databases, slash webview.db. If you open that in like a SQL Lite or something, you'll be able to see all of your passwords in plain text. Just search for the table name, password. That's convenient. Yep. <laughs> wow, yeah, guys. They, they actually show it. Yeah, when you save your password, they actually show it, the host name, the username, and the password uh, there in plain view inside of it. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. That could be a problem. Switch to Chrome. <laughs> yeah. And you know well, what? Honestly, is Google going to fix this? Because they're moving everyone to Chrome, right? So this isn't going to get fixed, except they said here, the AOKP group who does you know custom ROMs and stuff, they're already hard at work implementing a fix for their fork of the AOSP browser package, but that's not um, that's only if you're using that specific ROM. So right. if you're stock default, you know, Droid X browser, <laughs> be careful. And granted, somebody has to what be able to remotely access your phone or physically have it in their hands to do that. Or could you could you maybe script up malware on a web page, send someone to it, and extract that from their phone? I think any of those are possible at this point. Yeah. Well, be careful, guys. No one's getting my data. No one. <laughs> no one. <laughs> I have no data that I care about, so you can have it all anyway. Consider how many times I flash my phone and tablet in a week. <laughs> I know, no right? one's getting anything. <laughs> I'm not even getting anything. I mean, come on. <laughs> All right, well, before we wrap this up, Larry, you want to tell us about the plummeting cost of gene sequencing? This is kind of interesting. Yes. Yeah, just, um, I, yeah. why don't you put up that graph that was in the show notes? I will. 
show it to the people. I will. Well, he brings it up. I love Larry's topics and posts. I love these things. Oh, hey, thank you. Yeah, I don't know, squat about all your games and stuff. But yeah, there it is. There it was. If I could do gene sequencing on my Roku, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> hey, that's the Roku form, my man. <laughs> no, but it's it's true. You know, that gene sequencing there, that I, that came out of an article in uh, IEEE Spectrum, I guess, or one of the IEEE publications. And there's you know there's these contests going on, an X Prize like contest to see who can get gene sequence down to a thousand bucks a pop. And so they they featured one company, but they they talk about four or five different companies that are working on this. And if you look at that graph, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be a thousand dollars. That thousand dollars will be hit pretty quickly. Um, and I'm no doctor, but everybody you listen to says that's going to change the way medicine works. Well, you go from instead of doing broad diagnoses based on you know previous ailments and and people getting sick and what happened with them you go to a more personalized that's the dream medicine that right the therapy that works for you as opposed to uh, just a generic therapy that works for 82 percent of the people right exactly tailored to you specifically yeah now my guess is that that'll take you know it's like many technologies this is a tried saying but it's true the guys that are doing it think well this is going to happen really fast and they underestimate the time it's going to take to really be happening. But then, you know, it takes longer. But in fact, the, they also underestimate the, the profound nature of the change. Right. And, you know, shit, my little grandson may live to be a thousand. Well, and not uh, just the personalized medicine. This is a lot. This has a lot more to do with preventative also. If they know you are going to be susceptible to a certain thing, you can change your diet. I mean, there's things you can do decades before that happens to you know help help the outcome of whatever disease you might be heading towards and i i think once once you get thousand let's say thousand dollars you know i don't know how much a cat scan costs or something but i mean this is by today's medicine standards i think we'll all have cat we'll all have our genome sequence and then you'll have enough data to do big data things and and start to learn what the correlations are and stuff so I would think that uh, it's going to make a big difference. Do you guys know Ray Kurzweil, the guy that uh, he's now? Oh, Matt loves Matt loves him. Yeah, well, me and my techno optimist buddy Kevin on Simulate dot com uh, talk about that stuff. But I mean, he's got. Have you talked? I've met him a few times, and and I think he read a, wrote a book about this. Do you know what he he really thinks he's going to achieve immortality? Yeah, he's taking enough supplements and everything, and I forget what Kevin said. It was something on the on the level of like one or two hundred things a day. He, like he works, he works one day a week in his doctor's office and is getting IVs the whole time. He works for guy, Google now. Yeah, but he thinks that that knowledge is growing fast enough, and genome sequencing. I, I guarantee his has been sequenced, but it doesn't do in, until you get a ton of people sequenced. You can start looking for correlations. I don't think it, it has as big a payoff as as, uh, as it will. Not yet, have. right. But yeah. his idea is to make his body last long enough to where he can live forever in uploading his mind to to a, a, a something, you know, a mechanical... Go, I think he'll, he figures that we're going to learn to do spare parts and to fix things that are broken. And, or know, that, right? Keep the real thing going, man. Um but if not, he hopes that he can just merge his consciousness with a computer and live on that way if the body the fails. HR, I mean, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, his book, his predictions, I mean, we're seeing this come with Google Glass. That was one of his earlier predictions about augmented reality. And then the lenses come after that, feeding you full augmented reality signals and information overlays and all that stuff. His, it, the Age of Spiritual Machines is a really interesting book. It's yeah. my favorite. But, but, you know, given that graph that, that you just put up, my I guess that my little grandson is going to have a very different kind of medicine and uh, doctrine done to him than I have. Yeah, there it is. As Moore's Law continues on. Now, do you see Moore's Law? Where's it's that going to bottle? Laws, it's kicking Moore's Law's ass because people are also getting smarter with the algorithm. Right. Is that what that has to do with, you think? I would think. Because there's a huge drop there where it leaves Moore's Law and just dips. 
Is that yeah. because we can do more with the same amount of cycles? I think it's it's gotten it's you know we got the same we get more cycles, but we have more clever algorithms to utilize and, uh, those cycles. Like also, more clever chemistry, and there, there must be some. Uh, you know, I don't know anything about this stuff. So <laughs> I just blog it's about it. I really don't know anything about it. <laughs> also, in terms of the, the techniques that they're using uh, at a chemistry level or something. But uh, whatever is happening, it's it's dropping. I mean, you know, the first human genome was, what, sequenced how long ago? 89? Or am I way off? It says in that article. But, you know, it cost, I don't know, how many billion dollars or something. And now it's like, it's going to be kind of a thing that we're going to all, it'll be done for all of us. So the Human Genome Project, 1990 is when it began, October 1990. And a working draft was announced in 2000, and it was completed in 2003. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so That's 13 years. Clinton, 13 right? years. Under during Clinton's... Uh, uh, regime, whatever you want to call it. That Anyhow, regime. Yeah. Um, awesome. The people that do this say that it's going to, like you said, man, lead to personalized medicine and personalized therapies and personalized diagnosis. And, um, That's taking the, the techno-optimist side of it. And if you yeah. check out, like I said, simulate.com, this is what the site's all about. Just life extension, science, technology, just being optimist optimistic yeah. about the technology yeah. there's Kurzweil yeah. right there <laughs> yeah just saw it go by. so with all this talk about uh, I don't know hacking and, and uh, evil stuff it's nice to see something good that's happening in the world that's right that is good Larry. you're here cheers Larry <laughs> cheers you want to we got a few minutes left you want to tell us about uh, bandwidth access and online education yeah that was um you know, you guys know by now uh, that I kind of I'm sort of wrapped up in online education and kind of uh, thinking what might it do for the future. But one sort of that's all good news, you know. But there's a there's a yes, but um, good modern online education takes bandwidth. It takes video. It takes interaction. Who knows what it's going to take in the future? And so I have links to a couple articles uh, or that talked about how. Geez, some of the people, Matt, you would know about this, in rural or poor areas of the United States don't have that kind of access. We are both rural and poor. How about no, that? Well, you seem to have really good access, though. No, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're, you're an outlier, baby. No, I know. Uh, we, got, we got cable internet here and DSL. We got go. both yeah. kinds of internet here. <laughs> <laughs> got dial-up motors. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and also CAPS. You know, if you're doing a lot of video and you got some kind of data cap, that can change your bill too. But the the take I took on it, just given my background, was shit. Compare that to developing nations. Uh, you got, I mean, you know, this idea. You know, I there's a picture there. You can pop that up too. I mean, if you can pop it up of, of some kids um, in Guinea studying, and where do they study? They go sit under street lamps because they don't have electricity. You know, so those guys. They're not going to have access to high bandwidth internet for a long time. So uh, there they are. Cool. Um, you know, developing, you can't compare to a place like the United States, even, the, even rural Montana to uh, the developing world. It's just a, the absolute gap is huge. So that was the other one. The first one was optimistic. I just thought I'd throw in a pessimistic. To keep <laughs> Way to keep the, the yin and the out. yang balance, the yeah. enlightenment and the resistance. I don't want you guys getting too cocky. <laughs> <laughs> Think you'll live forever? This will knock you down a yeah, peg. Really, but you'll be <laughs> you won't be able to take classes. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I it, I did a uh, what do you call it a Google Plus or some kind of a post about the the uh, developing nation thing, and. Um, uh, what, what was I going with that? Somebody, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I made the, the following observation, though. Like, the absolute gap, you know, the digital divide between people like us and people in developing nations, it's growing like crazy. I mean, you hear all this progress, they're getting cell phones in Africa, but shit, they're not getting gigabit internet, internet anywhere. So Did you hear? Growing. 
Who was the ISP? One was it Comcast? I forget who it was, but one of the ISPs said we polled our our users and nobody wants gigabit broadband. (laughs) I forget who who said off to find that. Who needs more than sixty four k of memory? eh? Yeah. Uh, Oh, it's Time Warner. They said there's no consumer demand for gigabit fiber for fiber internet or gigabit internet. No, that's that's amazing. They were talking at the Morgan Stanley Tech Conference and their chief (laughs) financial officer, Irene Estevs seem dismissive of the impact Google Fiber is having on consumers. And they said, quote, we're in the business of delivering what consumers want. Really? Time Warner, are you? Uh, And to stay a little ahead of what we think they will want. (laughs) We just don't. Nobody's signed up for their gigabit service yet. We just don't see the need of delivering that to consumers. That's fine. We're already delivering one. (laughs) God, that's so amazing. But anyway, anyway, let me just tell you what, contrast that, like in the, okay, the the digital divide is growing like crazy. On the other hand, if you look at medical uh, lifespan data and medical outcome data over the last 30, 40 years, the developing nations have gone from way behind, they're catching up, the gap is is closing. So why are we able to deliver healthcare that way? Um, And we can't deliver bandwidth now. Because of the monopolies. I think that it's because governments, I hate to sound, I I don't know if any of you guys are libertarians or this shit, but governments get involved in healthcare, you know, and uh, I think that's the way you get it done. That's the way Canada's getting it done, and I hear it doesn't work out all that great. Well, I can tell you, (laughs) there's... You talked. Have you talked to a lot of Canadians about that? Yeah, I actually yeah, did. My to, friend, listen. What I'm, what I'm talking more is like lifespan in in you know rural parts of Africa and whatnot. You know, has kind of gone from 40 years to 65, 70 years over the last 30 or 40 years. There's been across the world that that gap, that lifespan gap between uh, poor people and and rich people has really shrunk. And why doesn't the bandwidth? I'm not even gonna. I don't even want to open the can of worms. But what's the difference between delivering healthcare and delivering bandwidth? Um, bits or bits. Bits or bits. It's greed, right? Isn't that what it is? It's yeah. not. It's not considered a necessity. So it's it's still considered. I don't know what it's considered. A toy, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, governments don't get involved in, like you say, the, the incumbent uh, ISPs and phone companies are really powerful. But somehow we we have found a way to really increase the medical service that we give to the poor people of the world. And maybe we'll find a way to do that with, with uh, connectivity, too. Yeah, or maybe we'll just grind them all up and feed them to the starving people. Who knows? There you go. Go for it. <laughs> to be optimistic yeah. about it, that all that little flame came up in the, in the Google Plus discussion, but uh, no, I got no answers. It always does. But anyhow, but that's yet one more optimistic thing. We'll close on an optimistic note that the, the mortality gap has really closed over the last forty years, so years. We've gotten really good at keeping your miserable life along for as long as possible, <laughs> whether you want it or you not. You're hungry, but you're not dead. That's right. You're you're miserable. You're depressed. You're yeah. So speaking of ending on a high note, that's gonna do it. Okay. For yats, everyone. Yet another techshow.com. Thanks for listening, Aunt Pruitt. Tell us where you're at. Uh, Twitter is I have no life. That's on the lower third. Uh, a new <laughs> it is not spelled wrong. A new domain dot com, Dale Tech page one, and on my personal blog, antpruitt.com. Plenty of mindless stuff there. And then every Thursday, come look at the smartphone photographers uh, community here on Google Plus and point and shoot. Come join in. That's how they spell it in the Urban Dictionary, Larry. I'll, I'll show you the Urban Dictionary after the show. It's really neat. That's a show all in itself right there. 
And I'll just mention the Hacker's Dictionary. Remember that? Eric Raymond's deal? The what? The Hacker's Dictionary. I don't remember that. Before my I time. I remember the Hacker's It lived on the net, and then uh, what's his name? Eric Raymond became the official kind of gatekeeper of it. Hacker's uh, Dictionary. There's oh, got to be a book. There's got to be a book in Google, Google Play. Find me out. a PDF of that, Ant. I want to see it. The 80s, I think, Larry. Huh? You're going back to the 1980s. Oh, I don't know what. Oh, I'm going back to the UUCP days. Things yeah, as old know. as I am. Nice. I, I can't even <laughs> calculate where I'm going back to. But uh, no, you guys will get a kick out of that stuff. I always thought that they, they should use things out of that as a programmer's aptitude test. If you read those things and you think they're funny, you're going to be a good programmer. Nice. Yeah. So check it out. And I'll just say for Larry, you can find him on Google Plus and his blog, which we have links to in our show notes and on the site, yet another texture.com. Mike Rothman, where are you at these days? You can find me tweeting at That Works For Me and writing on Dell's Tech Page One and always on uh, Google Plus. Very cool. And Chris Miller, of course, Mr. Spike Studios himself. Uh, Spike Studio for all the shows to watch those and at I Do Notes on any network you can imagine, including all the food porn pictures we've been doing lately. Ooh, so, yeah. For the smartphone photographers hangout. I'm sorry, point and shoot for the hangout itself, but smartphone photographers community. So yeah. I, I was going to participate in that, but I figured like I couldn't get the lighting right on my bag of ramen, so I just I said forget it. Yeah, that that would take some serious skill, man. It's like plastic, and it reflects the. It's just a nightmare, you know. I'm glad I'm not the. I'm glad that's not my job. Perfect. <laughs> All right, and uh, yeah, you can find me on a new domain.net tech page one, thejamhole.com/slash/music. If you want to check out some free music, and Larry, is there anything you want to plug? I totally ran over you. Please. No, it's just Larry Press on Google+. Plus. That's got links to everything else I ever do. There you go. Yet another techshow.com. Leave us a message, 406-204-4687. We listen to those, of course. You can email us on the site, subscribe in iTunes, give us a review. We appreciate that. And like Ant said, we'll see you tomorrow evening for the Smartphone Photographer Hangout. And then we'll see you next week for this all over again. All over yeah. again. Assuming all none over. of us get hacked. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Catch you guys later. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Bye everyone. Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.